0: Today's episode is sponsored by Liberty Language Services, here today to bring you a big announcement. Liberty Language Services is excited to announce the launch of its sister company, the Academy of Interpretation, an online education and learning platform for the language services industry. The AOI's mission is to expand access to educational courses while establishing a standard of quality and professionalism. The Academy of Interpretation was founded to address the widespread problem of untrained interpreters working in the field. The AOI offers professional accredited courses for interpreters and serves as a platform for organizations to refer their interpreters for training. The Academy of Interpretation is offering Brandy Interpreter listeners a 10% discount on all courses using the discount code AOI10BTI. This code cannot be combined with any other discounts, but check out the episode notes for more information about the Academy of Interpretation. Liberty Language Services is a woman and minority owned language services company that recently celebrated 10 years of providing language access services, and they're currently hiring freelance interpreters for a variety of languages. To find out more about Liberty or to apply, check out the episode notes. Hello and welcome, language professionals from around the world. I'm happy and grateful that you're joining me here today. This is Mireya, your host, and I'm excited to share that this is the last episode before embarking on video platform. So if you've not already, head on over to YouTube. Look for Brand the Interpreter, subscribe to the channel, and have the option to watch if you feel like watching the show. So I'll see you, or rather, you'll see me, on Friday, May 13th, over on YouTube. Otherwise, I'll see you here next month. Today, I'm excited to bring you Mr. Diego Crescetti. He graduated in translation and interpreting from the University of Genoa, Before founding Creative Words, he was a translator, project manager, and chief operation officer in a local translation agency. He is currently the president of the board of directors of ELIA, the European Language Industry Association. At Creative Words, he is responsible for the company's strategy and growth. With a strong inclination to share when not involved in his company, he holds workshops and seminars on innovation, artificial intelligence and machine translation at universities, training schools, and language associations nationally and internationally. He enjoys spending his little free time with his two kids. So without further ado, please help me welcome Diego Crescetti to the show. Diego, what a privilege! Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure.
0: Oh, absolutely! um I know that you're joining us all the way from Italy today. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I'm based in Genoa, Northern Italy.
0: Give us, for those of us that travel through the eyes of of our colleagues, give us a little bit about what it's like to live out in Italy. What is it? What is a usual day
1: like? I. Okay, I live in a small village, so I don't live in a big city. I live right in the countryside, just wild animals around, no people, nothing, like in the real countryside. Uh, But I love also the excitement of the city, so this is why my office is in Genoa.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, Genoa is
1: probably not one of the most famous places in Italy. You probably know Tuscany better, Venice, Rome, but, you know, Genoa is on the sea climate is good always warm not today today it's kind of waning but still it's a good place to be
0: yeah i was gonna say like uh, i imagine it always the way they show it in hollywood right it's like they have got this romanticized image of italy and i'm always thinking like what if i go and it's not like that is it like that
1: most places are yes i would say (laughs)
0: Yeah. And then, then I do have to go. Tell us a Absolutely. little bit, Diego, what it was like born and raised in Italy.
1: Oh, I consider myself lucky because I was, you know, raised in a good family, simple family, normal family. My my parents would work uh, like as employees. Uh, good culture, nothing big. No rich family behind, but still, you know, good education. And I was lucky enough to be able to travel uh, quite a lot. And this is why I got in the language industry, because I love to travel. Yeah, uh, as I said, education is good. I think culture is pretty good here in Italy. So yeah, good, 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 you know, childhood and good uh, teenage and, and everything.
0: What is a what is a cultural practice or a piece of culture uh, from the Italian culture that really you could only experience as an Italian wow.
1: that's a difficult one I don't know there are many things that are specific I think the family is is really important here in Italy mm. uh, we are quite famous uh, not in the in the good way probably because we stay close to the family and I'm one of those guys I live like 50 meters from my parents <laughs> and I'm 41 so I never really moved away but I like it I like it so the family is really important. I think maybe more than in other countries. And we tend to stay close. The word is bamboccioni in Italian. Like when you don't want to to, to go away from your family, you don't want to detach yourself from the family. I'm like the stereotype for that.
0: I love that. I even love that word, bamboccioni.
1: Bamboccioni, yeah. It's, it's not a good word. I mean, it's used in a negative way, but that's right. the way we are. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's also generational. I mean, younger younger people would travel more and would be more, you know, ready to to stay away from the family. But for my generation, the boomers, I think that's that's how we are. Most of (laughs) us, at least.
0: (laughs) Lucky for our parents, I think.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I have two kids, so they take care of them, and so I'm lucky as well (laughs) to have them close.
0: You mentioned that you traveled a lot uh, during your childhood, which is how you got either immersed or uh, introduced to the world of languages. Do you recall what you aspired to be when you grew up?
1: Well, I, I love languages since, you know, sixth grade. Uh, well, we, had, we don't have such grade in Italy, but that's the I think that, uh, matching with U.S. Uh, so I was 11 when I chose to, to study languages, actually. So I chose my high school just because uh, you would go on school to be abroad. And this is something that back then would not happen with other schools. So that's really why I chose that particular school, uh, Liceo Linguistico. And so, yeah, so that's how I landed in the industry, in the languages. And that's uh, why I decided to study languages, just to have the possibility to travel. So I would go on France, first year of high school, and nobody else was was doing that back then. Now they are like going abroad when they are probably six. (laughs) Like in primary school, they would go abroad, but back then, nobody would. So that, that's why I chose that particular school.
0: I mean, 11 is really young. Was there a moment that you can remember that really made that, you made that connection with languages? Was there something that you recall seeing or experienced in your travels with your family?
1: Oh, no, I don't think that, you know, that this wow moment came traveling with my family. Well, I love traveling. We would travel quite a lot with the family as well. Uh, I said 11, probably the, when I took the decision to work with languages was actually when I was 14. So I was studying English uh, and I loved, uh, I, I, that's where I realized, I realized I loved the languages. Now my kids are studying English when they are six and seven. So it's different. Back then, again, and I feel old now. Uh, we would not study any other language other than Italian. So when I studied English, and it, it came easy to me. Uh, it was easy to me to speak English and to understand. And so I said, yes, that, that's my future. Uh, and That's when I decided to study French as well and German. So I ended up studying German for 11 years and French for eight years. And I loved that. And, you know, Latin. I had Latin in high school. And that was also very easy to me because it just came natural to translate and, you know, understand another language. So it might also have been a question of it being easy for me. I I was quite lazy. (laughs) And so, you know, I would not study maths or anything else. So in high school, for instance, I didn't really have to study. I just had to study maths. In fact, my grades would not great (laughs) with maths and the languages they were really easy i mean i lived you know an easy high school life because of that
0: nice and and doing studying languages and and it coming so easily were you already envisioning that you were going to utilize this as a profession or was this not not at at that point
1: no it was fun it was more more fun uh when i realized that I could use it as, as a profession was really after university. So quite some years after, uh, because at university and in high school, uh, you don't really, you don't have any idea what, how you can use languages. And this is unfortunately still true, I guess, nowadays at university. I mean, you it's either you know, teaching languages or doing translation, but there are, there is so much more you can do with languages you can have a company with languages as I do, and you can do many different things. So when I ended the university, when I graduated, I just sent so many emails about, you know, freelancing. And I was lucky enough to, to get into my company as a translator. And that's really where I understood that the many things you could do with languages, like project management, I, I did many things, but before that, it was just, you know, I wanted to travel and uh, meet new people and being able to talk with them. That's it.
0: You said that you got out of the university and you started sending emails, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Just so to introduce yourself as, you know, a new potential candidate for language companies?
1: Yeah, and I did it in a very bad way. So I sent probably hundreds of emails uh, like copy and pasting to different companies looking on the, you know, the le- yellow pages back then. And I got one reply out of hundreds of emails, just one, <laughs> just one. And that's just because I did it wrong. I mean, it was no research, no customization, no, you know, looking on the internet. It was really, I'm desperate and I'm looking for a job.
0: So oh, I had no idea it?
1: what I could offer. You know, no, I was not selling. I was just desperate looking for a job. I was a bartender at the time, but I knew I wanted to do something with languages. and but I didn't really know how to to send an application. Uh, so this is why I so much insisted with my students because I teach at many different schools now about the need for customization, you know, doing some research, getting in touch with the right people. Uh, do your homework before, be, before sending emails like quality instead of quantity I insist so much on that because I leave that and I it was so frustrating not yeah. to get any reply I mean it was crazy
0: and you <laughs> couldn't figure out why why I've sen- I'm sending out so many why
1: yeah, yeah because there are too many probably yeah
0: yeah well Again, there was no quality quantity to it, as you are mentioning yeah. right so there was exactly no...
1: exactly I understood that quite some years later Mm. when I started receiving applications myself. (laughs) So, yeah, I was just ignoring them. Uh And this is what happens.
0: Yeah. Oh, we're definitely going to get into that. That's that's definitely a great resource and a great recommendation for someone that's starting out on how, you know, we could customize or, or approach the companies that we're interested in, right? Absolutely. I'm curious to know, what did you experience as a new language professional, Diego? So finally, that one company comes back and says, hey, yeah, come and join the team. <laughs> what happens?
1: Oh, okay. So I was, I am I, always so lucky that you wouldn't believe I'm so lucky. And uh, it just happens. Um, one of my friends were uh, was at the uh, hairdresser's. And she overheard a conversation of what would become my you know future employer and she was screaming on the phone and and she and my friend understood that she had the company a transition company in my very own city where I was living it was crazy because it's a small city very small one and I had no idea that uh, there was a company there so I sent an application unsolicited I did an interview. I sucked that interview. Really, I sucked. I was so nervous. I had no experience in any interview. I was a bartender. back then, no previous interviews, so I sucked. They just ignored me for the following four weeks. And then I was traveling to London with my family and my, now my wife. She was my girlfriend back then. She told me, why don't you send a follow-up email to them and try to convince them what you can offer to them? And this is what I did. I sent a very long email. I wish I couldn't find it because it was very inspirational. It could be very inspirational, but I did I don't find it anymore. And I look for that so many times. Yeah. And so I convinced them to give me a second opportunity. Like I told them, Look, get me in. I will work for free until you you think I'm worth something for you. Which I did. I worked for free couple of months, maybe maybe seven months (laughs) and and then they hired me and then I became a translator Uh, I loved it they were working with big brands so you know and quite a new world opens open to my eyes and I became a project manager after only three years I became a partner I told you I'm lucky because one of the partners left and so the the founder was desperate to find a new partner and I was there and, you know, I, I started to be interested in the entrepreneurial side of the of the things. And so I became a partner. I studied a lot. I continued uh, studying. Uh, I did a short MBA. And, you know, the was is history. And then after uh, some years, five years ago, I left the company and built my own. It was great. <laughs> Again, I, I've been lucky so many times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, I think it's also a lot to do with, I think, that future planning. So, you know, you have to have an eye for that. And and I think you you saw an opportunity. And of course, the the applying yourself to what your goal was, you know, you knew what yep. you wanted to get into and, and even the no or the it wasn't really a rejection because they just ignored you for a few weeks. So, but, <laughs> you know, even silence says a lot. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah you turn around and you still insist now after 3 years you say that the partner left and you started getting interested in the entrepreneurial side was there something about it that caught your attention is entrepreneurs can be scary for many people
1: it can be look i when if you ask me what i wanted i wanted to do when i was a child i would apply an entrepreneur and that's because you know, my parents would always tell me, you don't, you can't do so many things. There are many things you should be doing and you do do that. And they would say, uh, they would say to them, look, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. So I, I can have others do, do stuff for me. Okay. Which is not true, of course. Uh, it's, not, it's very far from the truth. Um, so yeah, I like the, the fact to have, I like to have a team to be able to grow them, to be able to build something o- of my own. So I think that what's triggered me to, to you know, to get my interest to to become an entrepreneur. And I, I would, you know, I would start uh, liking maths and, the, you know, all the balance sheets things that you need to do when you have a company, which is something I didn't like when I was younger, you know, the numbers. Uh, yeah, that, that's a different, many different things that you need to know when you have a company. Uh, I, I would love them all, I mean, Actually them all. <laughs> so but people mostly. Mm. You know, and I started realizing that I was really able to take on risks, which is also important. I would tell my partner, and she was the founder, why don't we hire someone? But we don't have, you know, the numbers to, to sustain that. Well, let, let's build on them. Let's 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 take the decision then and then let's think about the number. It's about risk taking, which is important, I think.
0: Oh, very much so. Um, I'm I'm believing that more and more uh, lately, uh, with different different risk taking uh, opportunities, and to see what comes out on the other side, always always makes me feel like why didn't I do this sooner? So I can yeah. completely agree.
1: <laughs> and I learned the lessons. Yeah, that's why I built my own company and then another one. So yeah, and
0: then suddenly it's easier, right? Like, wait, I can do this, yeah. no
1: problem. It's fun. I love. Yeah. It. <laughs> in 2016,
0: you decide to embark on a new journey. You were a partner with the company that you were employed with, and were there for a number of years. But then, in 2016, you make the decision of going on your own. Did something trigger this decision?
1: There, there is a very specific moment when I took the decision. It was when I realized that the leadership model uh, of my former partner was not, you know, was not matching mine, the the one I wanted to have in my company. So there is a specific moment. We had a discussion, and that's in, on a very specific day. I think it was May the sixth of two thousand and sixteen. I decided I would leave the company. Because of yeah, again, of the leadership model, we had two different views on that, and yeah, I thought it was the time for me to change, and yeah, that that that's the moment when I, you know, I decided. Of course, uh, it took time, took some months, and then in November, I started my own company from scratch, like zero, zero clients, zero teams, zero money, <laughs> nothing. <laughs>
0: the best that's the best stories what happens when you make that transition and you find yourself starting from scratch what is the first thing that a young entrepreneur with now experience in business begins to think about differently from when you first started
1: well I wanted to, to, to think big so I had a vision Uh the first thing, the first money I spent on the new companies, I renting a very big office. It was huge, and it was just myself sitting on a small (laughs) desk in one of the rooms of that big office. Uh so I started thinking big for three months. I was alone, (laughs) like alone with a desk. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) I, I, I really wanted to think big. I had a vision, I wanted to have a team. Um Again, risk-taking played a big role. I think I went to the bank with no money and asked them for, you know, a loan to build to to buy the desks and the computers. I think I bought four computers out of nothing because it was just myself and the company. But I knew that I wanted a team, um, and so that's also where when I started building the, my own brand and the brand of the company. The first hire I did was an intern in marketing. She helped me, you know, starting communicating. I started building my own network on LinkedIn. Uh, so I always say that my story in the industry starts from there because before of that, I was no one. I was not really active anywhere. We would, would not go to conferences. We would not do anything like that. So that, that's what I did. And the second hire came, uh, I think, three or four months later and it was a project manager so the vision is important right? and i always say think big i mean assess your risks i'm not saying like you know buy a huge building but uh we need to really take risks and and think big i think that's the i mean if you want to be an entrepreneur you need to to take risks and have a vision right
0: mm. Yeah, and they say that opportunity oftentimes um, or even innovation comes from adversity. And so even though we may be thinking that we want to go a certain route, it's that it's that fear of that maybe does not allow us. But then there's the moment where either, you know, it's like a fork in the road, right? Like I either stay here and continue with something that I am unhappy with, that I know in my heart of yes. hearts that isn't right for me, or I take the risk I take that plunge right and I dive right into it
1: yeah you you said happiness I mean if you're not happy it's your responsibility to change i mean it's it's all about you I mean you you need to change we have one life to live and so we should be happy all the time not frustrating with the job we don't like or with the world we don't like or with anything i mean we a relationship anything we should just live a happy life it's one only opportunity that we have let's exactly. know not yeah.
0: waste it don't waste it yes
1: yeah absolutely
0: <laughs> you mentioned uh vision which is super important because of course without the vision piece it's really difficult to to try to get get from point a to point b so that vision for you seems like it was it was pretty clear how to get there may not necessarily be a linear road, right? <laughs> There's all kinds of different <laughs> paths. Yeah. But yet the vision is still there. You see that clearly in your mind. For you, it was about the people. It was about team building. What is, in your words, Diego, empathetic leadership?
1: Uh, it's about transparency. It's about you know being transparent every day in every single occasion things might be good or bad, you need to be transparent and let your team know and it's about being yourself. I mean, I'm always doing stupid things in the office uh, because I like doing stupid things. I mean, I like keeping people entertained. I don't mind going and buying focaccia for the team if I feel like doing that or if they ask me to do that. I mean, we don't have any chart in the company. We are all at the same level with different responsibilities and tasks but we are all the same. Uh, so it's it's mostly about being myself i want to have fun and be happy and keep people happy I keep the team happy and that's it it's really about being yourself and listening to others and being able to understand uh, how they're feeling and you know do things uh, to keep them happy and engaged and satisfied because if I want to live a happy life, the same is valid for them, I guess, right? So, uh, yeah, I think seeing them happy is is what drives me mostly, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I do all I can to do that mm, every day. Uh, yeah, and, and I, I'm saying I'm meaning it. I mean, i not. It's not a strategy. It's a way of being. It's not something I planned. It's just that I we are in the office from eight to 10 hours every day. For me, it's 10, by the way. So uh, again, it's mo- most of our wake a day, right? So why shouldn't we be happy? And yeah, that's it. And recently, one of my team members left because she was looking for other challenges and I was really happy for her. I mean, it's, it's really about, you know, for them to be satisfied with what they do and to to find meaning in their lives, professional and not, so it's, it's it's about that, I guess. But first and foremost, about being yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. You, Unless you
1: are you are a jerk, of course. Otherwise, it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it might work for a while, and then you won't have great team at all.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and speaking of teams. What in your definition does it take to build a successful team?
1: I believe I have a very successful team and they are great. Mm, it's, It's about being clear from the start on what you need. So setting clear expectations. And it's about, I spent all my money in the company on training young people. So it's about it keeping them engaged and make them grow professionally uh, again and not. It's about uh, making them feel part of something bigger. Uh, and it's about, uh, yeah, they need to be satisfied with what they do. They need to have, uh, to see a future in, in their life. They need to, to find at home, to, to, to feel at home in the company as well. So we are very, very relaxed here, not meaning that we don't work, we work hard, but we are flexible on many, many things. And we are doing many, many things to to keep them, you know, again happy and and safe, if you want as well. Yes. Safe safety is, is important for them as well from different points of view, not just COVID or whatever. I mean safety, like they feel at ease in the company.
0: Yeah, taking taking risks and, and being confronted by challenge as one person is one thing. But then taking risks and facing challenges with a team that you're leading now is a completely other thing, I imagine. How did you embark on the challenges that came forward from you know the latest uh, situation, which is the global pandemic? as a new company with a new team now, completely under your leadership?
1: It was it was a really a global effort that we did together. Uh, it was not just myself. We were lucky enough working with different verticals. Some of them suffered. Some of them didn't. Some of them grew, actually, during the pandemic. There was a month back in 2020. It was March when it all started. Uh, probably panic was everywhere, even on the client side. So. We suffered uh, a little bit there, but other than that, we—I mean—we were fine. The only consequence that we had, and it's still—it's still, you know, uh, current—is that we are not able to be in the office altogether. So morale at some point needed, you know, some support uh, from us, um, from me. Uh, so we tried to, you know, uh, create new initiatives for team building initiatives moments where we could not uh, meet uh, in front of the coffee machine but we could you know be together and you know chit chat and uh, have fun talk about you know personal lives uh, because still we are not able to be in the office all together which i would love mm-hmm. uh, in the meantime we moved to a bigger office uh, so it's pretty empty now it's five people today in the office out of oh, wow. <laughs> so this is something the, the biggest consequence I think on on the team, and we tried to do things to you know for them not to suffer that too much. But still, we are all looking forward to come back to the office all together, even if some uh, members of the team have decided they they are better working from home. So they're still working from home, and we were flexible with that. Uh, so. Yeah, <clears throat> this is this is the biggest thing uh, for the pandemic, but it was really some a global effort. Uh, I have someone who's better than me in you know listening to the morale of the team, and we do a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, calls, a lot of different moments where we can talk about whatever. Virtual coffees, aperitivos, and so on, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah you 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 adapted it sounds like uh the work environment obviously and, and absolutely yeah your approach with the team which again it goes back to that flexibility that that you saw or envisioned from from time prior and uh being yeah. able to lead with that empathy definitely makes a difference with the team and it makes a difference with um just the the work environment right that Yes. I think it speaks to people when leadership looks at them as another human being also going through the challenges. And it's not about um, quantity necessarily, but in fact, like you mentioned earlier, very much on quality. And so it sounds like you're quality driven, which is which is so great. And I see it a lot in a lot of your social media posts when you're sharing information and, you know, you're being part of webinars now. And I heard you were even part of a TV show, right?
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Who told you I was, it was pretty recent. Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday I was invited in in, in a TV show. It was the round table. Uh, the discussion was about the startups because uh, I have creative words, which is the the language service company. And I have a startup uh, collecting data for artificial intelligence. So the topic for the TV show was was the startup, but it was more about how to create and manage and build a startup rather than the actual service that we offer. Mm. And yeah, that was the biggest thing I've done lately. I've done so many webinars, trainings, I teach a school. Yeah, but yesterday I was really nervous about the TV show.
0: (laughs) I could imagine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I still have to see the results because it was recorded, (laughs) but it's it's not, you know, it was not streamed yet. So we'll see.
0: Well, it helped for today's interview because, yeah, TV show to podcast. Yeah, you're like, you're a pro now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) You you mentioned real quick in there about AI, which is perfect for the next question that I wanted to ask you with regards to technology. And that question is, do you feel that humans will take more of a supporting role in this new tech industry? Or do you feel that it's now our job to take the stage more so than ever?
1: Uh, I need help. I'm scrambling to find interpreters for our board meeting. We have a staffed Spanish interpreter, but we need Korean, Farsi, and Arabic. Plus, we have a slew of IEP meetings coming up, most of them in exotic languages. I'm calling everywhere.
0: I know what we need. I'm at the perfect translation agency at OCDE's Interpreters and Translators Conference. Certified Interpreting Services. They offer in-person and virtual services.
1: Certified Interpreting Services?
0: Yes. They're professional, warm, and perfect for our diverse districts' needs.
1: How do we contact them?
0: Call or email. It's
1: all on their website, cisinterpreters.com. CISinterpreters.com. That's just what we need. I'm contacting them now. Thank you for calling Seraphim
0: Interpreting Services. This is Jasmine.
1: Oh, I think humans will always be the biggest part in the industry, in every industry. With technologies everywhere, of course. For instance, in my company, I've always been keen about, you know, implementing new technologies and new processes, new automations. Uh, not because I don't believe in people. I wish my team was much, much bigger, and it will be, hopefully. Uh, but I want them not to, to do, you know, this boring task of data uh, entry in our TMS. I mean, this, this can be delegated to the machine, and we can have fun, and, you know, we can build a relationship, we can be trained, we can learn new things. Uh, but in every industry, I believe that uh, technology will just be part of the ecosystem where the human will still play the biggest role honestly i mean so it's, it's all about people in a service industry as the language industry the more so absolutely
0: you say that one thing you'd like to see differently uh, in the industry diego with regards to people is the focus on the people a real one you say not a marketing blurb what do you mean by that <laughs>
1: Well, it's it's really all about the people. People to to make the technology work. People to build again, build the relationship. People to give visibility to the company. People because it's 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 a people word. I mean, technology is there to support us. And I see a, an increasing attention to the people. Many times, it's it's a marketing blurb, as you said. Uh, but I believe the companies are starting to think again about it and are giving priority to people more than to technology because it doesn't pay off to to do the, the other way around. And in the long term, you would really realize that you cannot replace uh, technol- uh, humans with, with technology and that's it. Uh, so I think the industry is starting to realize again that the human has a very predominant role rather than the technology.
0: Well Because technology we'll
1: always- would... go yeah, of course. I mean, technology will go ahead. We will have many different things. Uh, I will never lay off someone because of a new technology that will adapt, and adopt. I, mean, I will uh, have them doing other things, maybe even more fun things than they are doing now because of technology. No, not as a replacement, never.
0: The marketing never. blurb you talk about is that... that um that emotional storytelling, marketing approach that big companies take on, right? To supposedly make a connection with the yeah, individual themselves, but...
1: It's it's cool to talk about the focus on people, and then you realize they're not really doing what they, they are preaching. Mm. Uh, so it's it's just cool, but I think you can see that, actually, uh, I see also many new initiatives from in, inside bigger companies, maybe in some specific teams where there is more attention you know, to the community of freelancers, to to engage them, keeping them engaged, and to train them because training is really part of engagement. And I see that in, in bigger companies as well. Maybe in specific teams, not the company-wide, but there is an increasing attention, I think, because it really pays off. I mean, again, it's not a strategy. It shouldn't be the strategy, you know. I do think this because I want this back. Uh, but in the, in the long term, does that, that pays back to, to, to you know to focus on people rather than anything else.
0: Do you attribute Diego in part to consistently stepping outside of your comfort zone as the catapult to your professional growth? You say that lately you've been doing more things that you didn't necessarily do before, right? Webinars, presentations, sharing of content, all <laughs> those things that come with a brand development, which is super important. Do you, do you attribute all of these stepping outside of your comfort zone?
1: Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that this is valid for, for the company and for the people. I mean, you grow by going outside of the comfort zone. Uh, absolutely. I mean, public speaking was really not something I was I was willing to do, <laughs> but I, I had to, and I enjoyed it so much. Uh, I, building a new company uh, was not something I was planning to do when I was, you know, twenty five, uh, but I grew by that. Uh, studying, you know, in an MBA was not something I wanted to do, but I grew a lot, and it was not in my comfort zone because there are so many topics that I. Didn't like Uh, creating a startup, you know, buying a new office. And there are many, every change, every time I stepped out of my comfort zone was a a growth moment for me, absolutely. And it's valid for the company as well. Of course, if you try a new service, it's a way to grow as well, right? So it's valid for people and for, for companies and for teams for whatever
0: to take risks. I love that. I love that message very much because it's something that it's something that we shy away from as individuals because of the fear of the unknown. We don't know what the yep. results are going to be. There is no certainty necessarily with with taking a chance on, on a vision that we have on, on a heartfelt vision that we have. And so when I get the opportunity to talk to professionals like you, Diego, that have gone through the processes, the challenges, the risks, the ups and downs, and still come out on the other side, smiling, it's a great (laughs) opportunity to, to tap into and, and have you share those stories with those that potentially may be thinking about taking the chance, uh, you might
1: fail, but you still learn out of it. Right. So it's always good to try, I think, because even if you fail, you grow in a sense, right? You, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you, you learn a lesson and you don't do the same mistake.
0: Exactly. Such great, such great advice. And speaking of advice, actually, uh, we're getting close to the end here. and And I'd like in two part, if you would be so kind as to what recommendation you would give an up and coming freelancer that is getting ready to get into the field and doesn't know where to begin. Should they shoot a bunch of emails out? (laughs) Should it be very strategic and customizing their messages? What is a recommendation you would give a freelancer? And then we'll get into a recommendation on what you would give that person or individual that is seeking to create their own business. Like they want to venture out on their own. Let's begin with the freelancer, though.
1: Yeah. So to the freelancers, as you said, do your homework. Uh, do some research on the companies. There are so many ways you can do that. Uh, You know, go to the website, LinkedIn page, or, you know, look for the right person to get in touch with. I don't like getting messages like, dear sir, madam. I'm sir, I'm just sir, I'm not madam. Uh, Not, I mean, you didn't do any, you didn't spend any moment to look for my company and, uh, you know, to, to write that email to me only. Sometimes I get emails with Many, many different companies in, in CC, like <laughs> all there in the transparent way. So, this is a message. This is just a copy and paste. Uh, I know that people would use templates, of course. I mean, it's, it's savvy to use the templates to send emails, but I need to have, as an employer, I need to have, to have the impression that you have spent some time on looking for my company and that you really want to work with my company. If you send me an application to work for me on, I don't know, life science, chances are I would ignore it because we don't do life science. I mean, it's not on our website, right? So do your own research and really customize your message. Uh, Spend some time on the communication because it's worth it. Again, quality over quantity because you will get more results in the end. It's not the number of companies you get in touch with. It's how you get in touch with them. And there are so many ways and build the the second advice for free would be build your own brand online because that's absolutely important.
0: Absolutely important. Oh my goodness. I could not agree more. And if I preach it here all the time, but if you're not yet on LinkedIn, which I know many of you aren't, you need to get on LinkedIn and create that professional image On LinkedIn, if we were to choose one, would you say, if we were to choose one social media platform (laughs) for, for professional branding, what would you say, Diego?
1: I always say LinkedIn. Always. Because the clients, at the end of the day, they are there. So, you know, younger generation would not maybe even know about LinkedIn. (laughs) <laughs> so when I go at the university to, to take classes, and, and it's always about personal branding, and it's about entrepreneurship. I always say LinkedIn is a platform to be now if you want to, you know, get in touch with customers or for them to notice you. They, they either search for, you know, collaborations there for freelancers or they validate your professionalism there. And this happened to us as well. It's a company, you need to be there at some point,
0: yeah, even the results when you do a search uh, it's like one of the very first results that show up are the LinkedIn results right on a on a just yep. a, a general search, right and then what would you recommend then for the entrepreneurial spirit person that? Is also seeking to one day create their own company. What would you say to them in terms of mm-hmm. now looking back through your experiences? Begin here. Should they go through an MBA program?
1: Well, there are some topics you need to to be aware of. But that this is valid also for the freelancers. I mean, you need to to be aware that there are some costs that we will to bear. We need to bear. Uh, there are some things that, you know, you need to do sales. So an MBA would be great for everybody, I guess. Uh, I think you, there are some, some things that you don't learn with when you study languages, which is business basically. So you need to sell, you need to present your company, you need to, you need to do marketing, uh, you need to, 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 do how, to know how to read the balance sheet, um, so some sort of, you know, could be also self study, but you need to, to, to master some of the, those topics to build your own company. But if you want to, to really get on the entrepreneurial side, you, I think you need to be ready to invest your time. I was discussing this topic yesterday in the TV show <laughs> that I took part in. And one of the uh, main reasons why a startup, for instance, fails is because the founders are not really ready to invest their time. Uh, when I was young, I thought being an entrepreneur would mean, you know, I don't do anything and uh, I have some other people do that, uh, do things. Uh, it's not like that, of course. I mean, I'm in the office 10 hours a day. I travel one and a half hours each way every day. So it's it's another three hours on top. And on the train, I work. So it's basically 13 hours uh, but if you have a company, if you have a team, you are responsible not only for your, yourself and your family, but also for the team members. So you need to be ready to really invest your time, because you know it, it, the company would be your a big part of your life.
0: Most definitely.
1: And, and this lack of commitment is is one of the main reasons why new companies fail.
0: Mm great piece of advice thank you your company's name now is creative words and i'm eager to find out what led you to this title because <laughs> you guys cannot see diego obviously but his glasses for the longest time are they are they blue screen glasses diego or are they your actual glasses like for <laughs> all time
1: no 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 they are they are my actual glasses
0: so diego's glasses have one side is a round frame and the other one is a squared frame and for i kept looking like (laughs) oh my gosh my eyes are going bad
1: (laughs) (laughs) it takes a while to realize but you wouldn't believe uh the success of these glasses i mean everybody recognizes me because of these glasses i i Got them like as a joke. I was, you know, to have fun. But I would never change them. Never.
0: It's a thing branding. now. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: Most definitely. Never change them. And then so, behind Diego is uh, a great. I I feel like it's a great visual representation. He didn't start off the interview in this in the same room. So throughout yeah. a conversation, he moved, but he he ends up in front of this such a great. Uh, uh, art piece and I love it because like I feel like it's the embodiment of what he what he called you know creative words uh, or his company meaning it's a fusion of different colors to create one masterpiece and I really like that so much like I mean I know that's not necessarily where the inspiration came but the fact that your company's name is Creative Words and you're so creative in the sense of like, even with your branding image with the glasses and then, you know, this, this piece of art behind you. Tell me the real inspiration behind Creative Words.
1: Behind the name. Uh, it's, it's a much less uh, inspiring story, I guess. Uh, <laughs> The reason why I wanted, you know, I had a vision or I wanted to work with communication agencies when I started my own company. And the main reason would be that I couldn't work with anyone else because of, you know, no competition agreement with my former company. So that was my focus and I was trying to attract their attention with such a an name. And I wanted to to only offer creative translations like transcreation, even copywriting, you know, those kind of creative things that. still there and growing Uh, but then the biggest project i got to start with was a machine translation project so you know when you you say about having a vision and maybe things don't necessarily go that way uh, and i got into technical stuff like very technical machine translation very technical stuff Um, so the name was uh because of that because of the clients i wanted to focus Mm -hmm. on uh, there was again no wow moment it was really just a strategy to to get their, their attention but things then went on a, on another way but I love I love the, the the name and we try to be creative every day in how we do things mm. uh, we, we do many deep, boring technical translations as well but in the way we do things and in the way we try to build new initiatives. We have innovation challenges in our company. Uh, we experiment every day. and So I, I manage the company in a creative way more than we offer creative services, I would say.
0: I love it. I love it. It is actually, you know, we, we tend to maybe not think about it so much in depth when we're coming up with potentially the title or, the name of our company, but I think that the experiences definitely come into play and you brought your experiences into the creative process of creating a name. And and I think it fits perfectly If, if I'm allowed to say so. I think it does definitely fit perfectly. Absolutely. Thank you. With your leadership style and what you have as your objective for your company. Diego, it has been such a privilege and a pleasure to have the opportunity to touch base with you, to have you share your story on this platform and to talk a little bit more about, you know, your inspiration behind your different projects. I very much appreciate your time and I hope to one day be able to connect with you again in the near future. But before we go, tell us where our our listeners can find out more about you and the work that you do.
1: We are quite active on social media. So I have a LinkedIn profile. I, You can find me with my name, simply. Facebook, uh, on Facebook, I post almost um, only stupid things <laughs> or personal stuff, but I'm happy to connect there as well. I do have Instagram as well. That's just to show off my, my kids, uh, mostly. And then, of course, the website, the company page, I mean, Twitter, uh, I tw- and we even add a TikTok account. I'm not sure we're still active there, but we are there as well. <laughs> I would uh, say the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anywhere online, uh, if you if you uh, browse my name, you will find me, and I'm happy to connect. Uh, I'm always willing to, to to meet new people and connect with anyone. I have quite a big network on LinkedIn and. I am not that kind of person that would not would only add people that I met personally. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a starting point, uh, and I'm happy to you know, build relationships there and start conversation.
0: Thank you so much for today's conversation, Diego. I very much appreciate you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Hope it was interesting for your audience.
0: I'm sure it will be. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care.
1: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Hey, thanks for sticking around till the very end. If you'd like to connect with me, head on over to the website, brandtheinterpreter.com and click on the connect with me tab. You can also stay connected on social media, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube as brand the interpreter or Mireya Perez on LinkedIn. Till next time.